The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Most of us are very reluctant to talk about money and very rarely share how much we earn. But people revealing their salaries online has become a growing social media trend to try to promote pay transparency. Now, I'm joined by Donald O'Donoghue, Managing Director with Sanderson Recruitment. Don, good morning. Good morning. Uh, what is this trend and who started it? Well, it started, it's it's going kind of across TikTok and YouTube and Facebook. Um, there's an influencer called Hannah Williams who basically walks up to people in cities around the world and she stops them and says, excuse me, do you mind me asking what you do for a living? And they say, listen, I'm a data analyst or I'm a plumber or I'm a marketing manager. And she says, well, do you mind me asking you how much money you earn? And they might say, last year I earned 60,000 or 30,000 or 90,000. And then she'll ask them, do you feel you're fairly compensated? And it starts these conversations. And she has had tens of millions of views across all these social channels. Yeah, but if you were to ask that question in San Francisco, for example, you're a data analyst, what are you earning? Uh, How many years experience do you have? And then you ask the same question in Bangalore. Absolutely. You'll get very different answers. Very different answers. But I suppose that's where she asks, you know, do you feel you're fairly compensated? And people will say, yes, I do, because the role is remote. Or yes, I do, because I've moved from a different position. But it's a really timely thing, because if you look at what's happening around this whole agenda of pay transparency, in the United States, they started to legislate for this last year. So in California, for example, uh, in January 2023, it became law that uh, companies that had over 100 employees ease had to publish the pay range on every uh, on every job advertisement uh, same thing in Co- in uh, in Colorado and in New York City what's really interesting is they made it illegal for an employer to ask what your salary history was you know what were you, what were you words, previously earning or what are you currently on in other words what do we have to pay this one to 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 get him or her on the payroll um, they're earning you know $60,000 at the moment so we'll offer them 70, even though we were going to offer 80. Exactly. And this is a really interesting one because this legislation is all tied to trying to do a number of things. Uh, It's about promoting equity and it's about reducing the gender pay gap because we know from the research that men are far more likely to negotiate uh, at job offer stage than women are. Uh, And we know that there's a gender pay gap. So if we allow employers to ask the question, what was your previous salary or what's your current salary? That's only going to maintain and widen the gender pay gap. Now, mind you, they can ask still, I'm sure, what are your salary expectations? And that's the right question to ask. And actually, if this legislation comes in, and if you look in the EU, we've got the EU Pay Transparency Directive that was adopted by the European Parliament last year. Uh, So we now have, as an EU member state, three years to transpose that into law. What would it mean? This is coming down the track. Well, it'll mean a few things. First of all, Um, Think about it this way. If a company puts a value on a job, say, for example, a company says this position is worth €50,000 of a salary to us, uh, they should be happy to pay that to whoever the successful candidate that comes through the process is, whether that person previously earned 35 or 40 or 48k. You know, so it, yeah, it, but we're talking really about uh, the corporate sector, uh, you know, where you've got substantial companies. I mean, suppose you have a corner shop and the only employees they can get are uh, three locals uh, who are glad to get the work. But one of them is a total waster and the other two are working hard. And the employer says, well, I'm going to pay the two who are working hard a bit more, but I certainly don't want that 
them to share that with the waster. Well, look, I think I think in those kind of circumstances where you're at the, I suppose, the more precarious end or the lower end of the labour market, you're, you're closer to the, you know, the minimum pay legislation. Um, but I think it's an interesting point you raise. And the other point is around tenure. So if you've got a team of people that have been working in your company for two, three, four or five years and they're paid a certain salary level and then you need to hire somebody else for that team and you're hiring at a time where there's real demand in the labour market, is it fair for you to then pay five or eight K more to the new person joining when you have uh, loyal employees that have been with you doing a great job for years? So this is where the transparency piece comes in. So so then what happens as an employer, uh, you have to pay 60 grand instead of 50 grand, which the current team are earning, but you desperately need the person. Are you then supposed to upgrade the other four people on the team to 60 grand and then they realise they've been underpaid. Well, that, <laughs> is, that, is the, that is the killer question because with pay transparency, in the old days, uh, employment contracts had a secrecy clause. Uh, you know, mm. it was very common for it to be a, a, a breach of your contract of employment to discuss your earnings with colleagues or externally. Whereas if this les- legislation comes in, it will remove that. So that's the interesting question, isn't it? What do you do then? Do you make that higher at the risk of upsetting the pay band within the organisation or do you just have transparency to say, look, this is the band for this role? I suppose if you want to look at the model, you go to the civil service and you know what grade someone is on and you know how many increments they might. Well, you might not know how many increments they got, but there is an incremental scale. And after so many increments, you reach the top of the scale. And if you want to do better, you've got to apply for a higher grade of job. Exactly. And, and actually, and to be fair, the public sector and the semi-state sector have had, are, are, leading the, are leading the way on this and have done for years. But they have other complexity in their organisation around tenure and around, you know, some people who work very hard and maybe others who work less hard and are at the same grade. So it's a really complex issue. And that's always the, the problem, trying to reward uh, talent if you've got this grading system, it's you either have to promote them. And then what happens is uh, the Peter principle, people get promoted to one level beyond their level of competence, inevitably. Yeah, it can it can absolutely happen. And that's where talent management comes into things where we're looking for creating career paths where people can pro- can progress and can follow their areas of interest and can follow their areas of competence. Yeah, I, I, I saw it obviously over the years in, in RTE where you've got people who are very good, say, at research. But in order to better themselves, they have to become something else. They have to become a, a producer or a manager or something. And then you lose the great talent of a researcher. So... There, there would have to be some reward system that encourages someone to stay doing what they really do best. And that's the big question around whether if you're a really good individual contributor in a particular job, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a good people manager. And often those people are forced into management roles where if there was a career path uh, that would allow them to progress and to increase their earnings over a period of time, it may be, it may be a better solution. Now, what dismay is this going to cause for employers uh, who really don't want the canteen talk to be all about how much you're earning or did you get a raise or da-da-da? Well, uh, what the the thinking behind it is, is actually the transparency should remove much of that because when there is actual clarity around value and reward and earnings and benefits, and actually some of the uh, states in the states that have implemented this legislation already have also made it a requirement to share benefits information around, you know, your pension contributions and health and uh, and so on. 
So, look, I think transparency is going to be a good thing. Um, and I, the other thing that's interesting, we track at Sanderson, we have offices all across Ireland and the UK, and we track um, applicants' behaviour. And one thing that we've noticed is that people are twice as likely to apply for a job where, an ad, where a job's uh, salary is shown. So, actually, so they know where they stand. Absolutely. Because, you know, if, you, if you've got something that says, depending on experience, if you are for, uh, let's say, a HR manager, a HR manager could, that salary could range from 30k to 130k. Yeah. Whereas actually, if you say, this is the competence we're looking for, this is the uh, skills and experience we need, and this is the banding for it, you'll actually get more applicants and better quality applicants. So it's changed. It's going to be difficult for companies, but I think it's going to be a good thing. All right. It's difficult for companies, but ultimately a good thing. That's better it. for employees <laughs> and better in the long shot for employers. Very good. Donald O'Donoghue, Managing Director with Sanderson Recruitment. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.